Hi, and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm Lindsay Mayland, and I'm so excited to be here with you. Before we get going today, I wanted to share something fun we're starting this week. For the entire month of April, our staff is offering quarantined quilting classes, a series of day-long lessons with our staff on our All People Quilt Instagram page. Topics include everything from organizing your fabric to learning handwork techniques to tips to finishing your UFOs. Community is more important than ever right now, so we hope this helps you feel supported during this time. We can't wait to share, learn, and chat with you all on Instagram this month. On today's show, we're sharing five money-saving sewing tips tips for fussy cutting, how to make great quilt backings, and the story of a staff member's most cherished quilt. We end the episode with a Q&A with Cherry Guidry of Cherry Blossoms Quilting. Just a note, we recorded some of this podcast before the seriousness of the pandemic was fully realized. So some of the tips we're sharing today don't take into account social distancing or that your local quilt store may be temporarily closed. But it's such great content that we still wanted to share it with you. We hope the tips are useful once you're on the other side of this crisis. So let's dive in. I'm here with Joanna Bergerino, the editor of Quilts and More, and today we're going to be talking about money-saving sewing tips. Uh, Not many listeners know this, but I'm actually a fairly frugal person, which is a very nice way of saying I am cheap. (laughs) (laughs) Let's face it, though. Quilting can be a very expensive hobby. Between costs like a sewing machine, notions, helpful tools like specialty rulers and scissors, and all those irresistible new fabric lines, my weakness. Me too. Um, (laughs) There's there's just a lot of investment in each quilt you make, sometimes more than you even realize. Mm -hmm. When I first started quilting, I didn't have much disposable income for it, so I learned that sometimes you can improvise to save just a little bit of money, and sometimes you really can't, but we'll get into that later. So today I've got a list of five tips for ways that you can save a little money on your quilting hobby. So let's start off with a fun one. Number one, pool resources with other quilters near you. It pays to be social. (laughs) Uh, I first built my stash from fabrics other quilters around me didn't want anymore. Guilds and classes, Facebook groups, Instagram. There are some really great resources for meeting other quilters in your area. And many quilters who have been quilting for years have lots of fabric and supplies they wouldn't mind giving away so that they have space for the new stuff. Plus, let's face it, quilters are very nice, generous people, and we love to help out new quilters who are just learning the craft. So everybody wins. You can't be super fussy about what you get if you're getting it for free. Like, just fair warning, be uh, be grateful. Um, but even prints you don't necessarily like can work well if you pair them with prints that you like better or if you cut them small um, because then you're mostly just using them for color. Try organizing a supply swap with your quilting friends. Um, I've done it several times. It's a lot of fun. Yep, that is a very fun idea. We know quilters are so generous. Um, And even around our offices, we swap fabric all the time, especially as we clean out our sewing spaces. I know I 
just this morning brought in some fabrics for a coworker who was looking for uh, two and a half inch squares. And I had some from a project I just finished. And instead of putting them into my own stash, I handed them over because she had a use for them. I know the coworker you're thinking <laughs> of because I just cleaned out a bunch of mini charm squares where I'm like, I'm never using these. Yep. So uh, great tip. The second tip is to sew from your stash. So chances are that you have accumulated a lot of fabric, notions, and tools that you forgot about over the years. So I like to do a good cleaning of my sewing space at least once a year to remind myself of what I have. Whether the fabrics in your stash are ones that were donated to you by other quilters or ones that you've purchased long ago, it's a good investment to pull from what you already have. And you might be surprised too at just how much you can do with your stash. For example, I love to piece scrappy backings using fabric from my stash rather than going out and getting yardage specifically for backing. So when I'm finished, it's like I have a beautiful double-sided quilt. And I know especially when you're making larger quilts where your backing may call for like nine yards of fabric, that is expensive. Yes. So uh, I always try to piece backings when I can. Mm -hmm. And it's a big upfront cost. It's not like you can break it down. Yep. So going along with the idea of sewing from your stash and using items you already own, I like to scavenge usable fabric and hardware from worn out clothing and items that I just don't want anymore. Every once in a while, I'll have, uh, for example, a pair of jeans that are too torn or messed up to wear anymore. And honestly, they're just not even in good enough shape to donate. I used to throw them out and then feel kind of guilty about it. But over time, I've realized that you can recycle them into your craft projects by cutting away the parts that are still good. Uh, denim works great for tote bag projects, especially for the base because it's nice and sturdy. Um, if you also make bags like I do, you can take hardware off of old purses that are broken. I've even taken off some zippers before to reuse, provided that the zipper tape was uh, still in pretty good shape. So there's a lot you can do with the stuff that we would normally just throw away. So that's not to say that it isn't fun to get some new fabric and supplies once in a while. I know I love seeing all the new exciting products that come out to make sewing more enjoyable. But if you're planning on splurging on some new stuff, I suggest this next tip, which is keep an eye out for coupons. Whether you buy your supplies at retail craft supply stores or at your local quilt shop, chances are there are some deals you can take advantage of. One of the quilt shops near us has an email list where they send information about flash sales and coupons to bring into the store. So if you're patient, you can get an item you've been eyeing for less than regular price. I am on so many coupon and email lists that I used to have a separate email account <laughs> just so that I could keep track of them and make sure they were in one place because I just hate paying full price for things if I can help it. Um, the next tip is a bit more bizarre and actually requires a little bit of uh, ingenuity, but I think it's worth it. So tip number five is to experiment and learn how to make do with what you got. So sometimes I find the most expensive part of a project is buying little specialty things like a particular weight of interfacing or polyester fiber fill. But it's not necessarily that these items are expensive on their own, but they can add up if you need a lot of them. There are times when you can swap in different similar items based on stuff that you have around. So for example, muslin fabric or even fabric scraps can be used as a lightweight interfacing. 
just make sure that what you're using as an interfacing isn't a dark print or it might show up through the fabric that you're lining. Um, I know that from experience and it's disappointing. Um, but it does work. Just keep an eye out that it's a light fabric. Shreds of fabric scraps can be used as stuffing for items. Um, again, keep in mind that the density of the stuffing will be a little bit different than if you used uh, fiber fill, but I use this for pin cushions and stuffed toys. Um, it works really well and it helps make a dent in your scraps. Yep, you can use batting scraps too. Sometimes you end up with just like tiny bits of it from what you cut off from a quilt and those make great stuffing too. That's true and it's a little closer in consistency. Templates can be made from cardstock instead of template plastic if that's what you have on hand. It's easy to trim little bits off the cardstock if you use a rotary cutter against it though. So I often trace around a cardstock template directly on the fabric and then cut the piece out just to make sure I'm staying accurate. I would say to keep in mind that your project results might be slightly different than expected because of the results of the swap. I wouldn't necessarily swap out materials if this is a project I was making as an heirloom or a gift, but if it's something for you or you're testing a pattern, why not? So I'm curious, Joanna, what's the strangest swap you've ever made? Hmm. <laughs> Boy, that's actually a really good question. <laughs> um, off the top of my head, I would say it was probably this one time I was making a dog toy for my dog, Penny. And rather than buy new fiber fill and materials, I used some scraps from my stash. And then I used the fluff and squeaker she had just pulled out of her store-bought toy that she demolished. Um, it actually sounds kind of gross now that I'm thinking about it. But, I mean, I figured she was going to drool all over the new toy anyway, so I might as well. And then it smelled like her. So dogs are gross, I mean. <laughs> um, I did use better thread than the store-bought version, and I reinforced my seam. So it took her a little longer to demolish the new toy, but it still didn't last super long because dogs. Um, <laughs> So those were my five money-saving tips. You might have noticed what I didn't suggest trying to save money on was important tools like your rotary cutter, iron, sewing machine, or basic rulers. Use these tools so often that you don't really want to skimp on them or substitute other items because um, you probably won't be happy with your finished project and it's going to make the sewing process a lot more frustrating and less enjoyable. So there are times where you don't want to skimp. Uh, to save money on those important items, simply take good care of what you've got. Don't use your rotary cutter or fabric scissors on paper, for example, and regularly clean and do routine maintenance on your sewing machine. These little steps prevent expensive problems and replacement parts down the road. Thanks so much for all those money-saving tips, Joanna. We would love to know what our listeners do to save money while sewing, so please shoot us an email at apqpodcast at meredith.com and let us know your best tips. We'll be back after this quick ad break. I'm here with Joanna for Back to Basics, a segment where we share tips and tricks about a sewing tool or technique. So what are we learning today, Joanna? So Quilts and More features a lot of smaller projects like pillows and table runners, and their smaller sizes make them great for featuring fussy cut motifs. Fussy cutting, or carefully cutting up your fabric so that a particular image, such as a flower, animal, or word, is centered in your unit or block after you piece it together, is simple in theory, but it can get a little tricky to get the image just how you want it. Today, I'm going to go over some of my favorite tips for fussy cutting. 
First, I like to make a template that's the size of the finished piece, plus a quarter inch seam allowance all the way around from clear template plastic. It's helpful to actually mark the seam allowance on the plastic using a permanent marker so that you know which portion of the template will be taken up by the seam allowance. You can then position the plastic template on your fabric so that the image you want to appear in the finished block is in the middle of the template. The clear plastic is really helpful since you can see the fabric underneath. When you're happy with the placement, trace around the template and then remove it. I like to use a water air soluble fabric pen for this because I find it's easier to work on the right side of the fabric. You can see exactly what it'll look like in the finished block. The mark should be hidden by your seam allowance anyway, but the fact that it's air soluble helps you just a little bit of uh, extra confidence that's going to be hidden when you sew your block together. Never hurts to be careful. Now, as you might recall from the earlier segment on money-saving sewing tips, I'm a fairly frugal person, and I don't always have template plastic around. You can use things like cardstock or index cards to make the template if that's what you have. You'll need to mark the quarter-inch seam allowance on the template, and then cut away the center of the cardstock template so that it makes a frame. It's a little flimsy to work with, but you can still put it on your fabric, see what the finished piece will look like, and trace around it to get the results that you need in a pinch. Second, make sure you buy extra fabric if you intend to do any fussy cutting. The end results can be stunning, but this design choice does create some fabric waste since you're only using certain elements of the print. Especially for novelty prints that might be hard to find later, it will save you some fabric heartache if you get extra fabric in advance. I often find fabrics in the shop that I think would be good for fussy cutting, but I don't have a particular project in mind for them. If I love it enough to buy it anyway, I usually up the yardage I would get by about a quarter yard. So for example, I'd get a half yard when normally I'd only get a quarter yard. Fussy cutting can create some great designs that feel really personal to you and reflect on your favorite things. If you find your fussy cutting for projects often, you might want to look into special tools and notions for it. There are some really cool prepackaged templates that are available in common quilting piece sizes that make the pro process much more efficient and, frankly, a little bit easier. Thanks, Joanna. I'm here with Doris Brunette, the editor of Quilt Sampler for UFO Challenge, a segment where we address common finishing problems so you can complete your UFOs. What are we talking about today, Doris? Well, this week I want to talk about those UFOs that are finished quilt tops waiting to be quilted. I know I have a couple of friends that I know have stacks of these finished tops like <laughs> waiting to be quilted. Um, one of them is a long arm quilter. She quilts for other people, so she just doesn't have time to do her uh -huh. own. Um, but specifically things to consider when you're prepping your backing and getting them ready for quilting. So wh what do you use for backing? Wide backs are readily available anymore, usually 108 inches wide. Um, they're available in many prints and colors, and some fabric designers are now including one, two, or three prints available in wide back yardage when releasing a new fabric line, which is pretty cool. Um, they're readily available at most quilt shops, and quilters have so many more choices now than we had even five or six years ago. But if neither dimension of your quilt is anywhere close to 100 inches, 
you will probably want a piece of back instead. I usually do because I don't want to spend the money on the extra wide back mm, if I'm going to have to cut too. it up. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so a few ideas for a pieced back. Um, use leftover blocks or fabric from the front of your quilt. Um, this can add a lot of interest to your design. And especially if you're just using the leftover pieces of your fabric, you get it used up so you're not adding to your stash. <laughs> um, and it nicely ties the back of the front to the, the back of the quilt to the front of the quilt. Uh, another idea is to use those large print designs. I have a lot of these in my stash because I just love them and then I have a hard time cutting them up. So um, if, you, if you have some of those prints, that's a great way to use that fabric and keep it intact so you can still enjoy it um, as, the print, yeah, as the design was printed. Um, or the print was designed, I should say. <laughs> um, I've seen people use fat quarters cut to 18 inches square and then just sewn into a grid for the back. Um, that's a good way to use up fat quarters if you're somebody that likes to buy them all the time like candy and then you're, you know, they haven't found their way into um, other projects. It's I a good way to use with, them. I um, so. layer cakes because I oh, yeah. sometimes yep, can't I've resist done that layer too. cakes, but yep. then I never end up yeah, using how it. Yeah, so. use them. Yeah, that's <laughs> yep. a great idea. Um, choose a color from the front and just pull fabrics from your stash in that color. I then just piece them randomly together. I did this recently with a quilt for my niece. It was king size for their bed and I just pulled like the fronts that was like a hot pink, purple, and a charcoal gray and white. And I just pulled like every purple that I had because I it's it's not a color I would normally quilt for myself, <laughs> but just sewed it into big strips. Um, using with the fabric and making it, you know, big enough to fit that king size quilt helps use up that stash and especially prints that maybe you bought for something and didn't quite work out for the project you intended it for. If you're going to be quilting the top yourself and you aren't super confident about your quilting abilities, consider using a busy print so your stitches don't stand out as much. And a few tips to always keep in mind is to remove the selvages from your fabrics before piecing the back um, to make your backing four inches larger than your finished quilt top on all four sides. Uh, press your backing seams open and press your quilt top well before basting it, especially if it's been folded and stored for a little while. Great tips. Thanks so much, Doris. Bet. Thank you. I'm back with Doris for my cherished quilt. So in each uh, issue of American Patchwork and Quilting this year on the last page, we're featuring a designer and the story behind their most cherished quilt. So we thought it'd be so fun to do all of our staff members' most cherished quilts on the podcast. So Doris is going to share hers with us today. Thanks, Lindsay. Um, I kind of think of your most cherished quilt as like the quilt that you would save in the event of a fire. <laughs> um, and mine is actually still a quilt top at this point. Um, it is being worked on. It will hopefully be finished this year because it's on my UFO list. Um, but it's a hand-piece quilt top that I made over the course of a few years. It was my on-the-go project for a long time, stitched a few blocks at a time, primarily on road trips with my husband while he did the driving. Six years ago, he was diagnosed with an aggressive form of leukemia, and he passed away just three weeks later. I finished hand-piecing the top. It was just total coincidence. I finished hand-piecing it, sitting beside his bed in the ICU on the day that he ended up passing away, and it also happened to coincide with National Quilting Day that year. I put the top away for a while because there were so many emotions tied up in the project um, that I just didn't want to didn't want to work with it for a while, but I eventually dug it back out and I'm working on getting um, 
some applique borders finished up and getting it quilted this year. But I truly treasure that quilt because of the memories related to its construction. Thanks so much for sharing that, Doris. And if you want to share your most cherished quilt with us on Instagram, tag it with the hashtag MyCherishedQuilt so that we can see and read your story. We'll be back after this quick ad break. Welcome to Getting Social. On today's interview, Joanna Bergerino chats with Cherry Goodry of Cherry Blossoms Quilting. Cherry made her start in the quilting industry as a blogger more than 15 years ago. She now is a talented fabric designer with Contempo Studio, a published author, and an amazing pattern designer. You know her best for her seasonal applique designs. In this interview, she chats about her start as a quilter, tips for sewers wanting to start a blog, tips for using electronic cutters and fusible applique, and some fun storage ideas. Enjoy! Hi, I'm here with Cherry Gidry, designer behind Cherry Blossoms, and she does fabric for Contempo Studios of Benertax. Her latest line is coming out, and I'm so excited to get to chat with her a little bit about it. So, Cherry, we're going to start with, give us a little background about your life as a quilter. Oh, my goodness. I started sewing when I was four, and I didn't start quilting until 2004. And oh my goodness, I am just as passionate today as I was then. I love, love fabric. As a little girl, my mom would go out to run errands and she would say, what do you want? My siblings would always want candy. I wanted fabric. So imagine that when I got to design my own fabric, right? But going back to quilting, I started quilting in 04. I have tried all, all sorts of techniques, art quilting, uh, you know, free motion quilting, all, all sorts of techniques. And um, absolutely love applique and free motion. So that's my thing nowadays is applique. That's awesome. So you had mentioned to me that you got your start as a blogger and um, that it's opened just a lot of doors for you. So your path to being a fabric designer is maybe a little different than some people. What advice would you give someone who wants to start a sewing blog? Oh, goodness. Well, obviously, you're going to be sewing all sorts of fun projects. If you want to create your own, I would say stick to your heart. Do what you love. Don't be intimidated by anyone else. Don't try to change yourself. Just do what you love, and you'll just have lots of fun with it, and people will love that. Mm-hmm. And um, you had mentioned, too, that blog hops are usually a good way to start getting your name out. Oh, my goodness, yes. Blog hops are fabulous, and that's how I got started. I participated in the challenge, and it just led to me designing patterns in fabric. Isn't that cool? That's very cool. Can you tell me a little bit about what that challenge was? I was to create a Christmas project using the AccuQuilt Go Cutter. And so dies, I had been collecting dies for a while. My husband gave me the Go Cutter for Christmas one year with all these dies. And so it was just a no-brainer. And um, it was fantastic. I created this little tree, and it went into a pattern, and it became this very popular project. It's called Feathered Christmas. Little plug-in. <laughs> doesn't hurt to put a little plug-in. Right. Yes. Um, so you design an average of two to three fabric collections a year for Contempo Studios. Your latest line is called Joy, and it comes out in May. What inspires you when you are designing fabric? Color. 
the first thing that I see in anything I do is color. Whether it's quilting or fashion or home decor, I just love color. And then of course, you keep on working with a theme and then you just look for inspiration anywhere else that's related to that theme. Do you have any color palettes or themes that are um, particularly special to you that you like to work with? Um, I am kind of known for the, the being the aqua girl in the company. So I use a lot of aqua turquoises. Um, from childhood, I, I loved greens and aquas. Mm-hmm. And so I, I stick to that color, even though, I, you know, I'm trying to incorporate more of the other colors. And, and you know, but it, it, I have a good range of, you know, soft aquas and, and a little bit deeper. In, and I think coming lines will have even deeper colors. That sounds really exciting. I can't wait to see them. So you got started um, using die cutters and for your applique, and you've since switched to electronic cutters. Why did you switch, and how did you get started um, just using so much applique for the different techniques, and what do you love about the applique technique? Uh, so, well, how did I switch from the die cutters? Uh, I love the die cutters. They're two different tools. So for some things, I absolutely love using um, the die cutters. I uh, cut by binding with my two and a quarter inch strip cutter and, you know, squares and things are great to cut with that. But when it comes to applique, uh, die cutter is a little bit limited because the dies are one size. And so then, you know, everything has to be three by four, whatever that die size is. With an electronic cutter, uh, you can create whatever size you want. Uh, and, you know, with die cutters, you can still cut multiples at one time. With, with the die cutter, uh, the electronic cutter, you know, you cut even more. Uh, and, and, you know, it's great because uh, you can design your own, too, so you're not limited to those dies. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes to cutting circles, which I absolutely loved and I'm guilty of putting too many in my patterns. You can never have too many circles. <laughs> That's right. Uh, they are perfect. You know, those machines cut them just perfectly round. And so I love that. And that's whether you're doing fusible applique or if you're doing uh, freezer paper to do your applique shapes, they are perfectly round. So as you get more into the technique, it gives you more freedom. Does that sound accurate? Oh, yes. And you know, and you're not limited to just cutting applique. You can do your stencils for your quilting. Um, you can do your own labels because these machines uh, accept pins. Uh the possibilities are great with these and and you can even cut uh vinyl with them you know i think that's how they started right they started out as a scrapbooking tool and i think they're major in that but um they cut paper and all those things and so um you know there are a few things to remember when you're cutting with an electronic cutter like the silhouette cameo make sure that you start your fabric really well so that it becomes real stiff like paper and the little blade will cut it really well and that way you don't have any funky little issues and thread going all over the place. That's a great tip. Do you have any other tips for quilters who are new to fusible applique or who want to maybe have been doing it for a while but want to maybe do it a little bit better? Uh, So choose, well, first of all, I would say, hey, go take a class, find your local quilt shop. They'll have great teachers, great instruction, uh, the best products on the market. And I'd say that's the best way to go. Um, Then choose the fusible depending on your project. If you want something soft, look for a lightweight fusible. And then read the instructions from whatever product you choose because they all have different heat settings. And don't don't forget 
to not stash your fusible. It does have an expiration date, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was surprised when you told me that, but it's a good tip. It really will save you money. Yes, yes. So the tendency is to buy lots of it's on sale, but no, no, no. Just stick to one project at a time. Just buy enough for that project. And a final question. Our listeners are always looking for great ways to organize their spaces. Are you a very organized sewer? Describe your sewing space and just how do you like to keep things organized? Oh, goodness. As a creative, it's kind of surprising, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am fairly organized. I do like things to have their place, and, and I'm very blessed to have lots of space for my uh, all my tools. And so I do have a ruler wall and a thread, you know, drawers for my threads and scissor drawer and all that. And, and actually, you can go to my blog and, and, and find a little, a few posts I have there. We actually had a blog hop a while back all about that. Um, but one of my favorite uh, storage things is um, I have this, like, it's like a little loose lace Susan uh, turn table thing. Well, it has like two tiers and little compartments and I put scissors and pens and tiny rulers and, and just things that I use all the time right there at my hands. Um, AC to grab <laughs> um, on my cutting table. So I don't have to go digging for things when I'm working. And so favorite tool. <laughs> yeah. It sounds really handy. <laughs> so real quick, we have some rapid fire questions. Uh, the first one is what is your favorite quilt walk? Ah, the log cabin. Love it. Yes, it's a favorite of a lot of quilters. Uh, The next one is, what is your current obsession, quilting or otherwise? Ah, espresso, coffee. Mm. You have to have something to keep you going, right? (laughs) The third is, what's your must-have product? Ah, the electronic cutter. Other than fabric. Yeah, (laughs) I was going to say, I feel like I could have guessed that one. (laughs) And finally, what color shows up in your quilts the most? Mm, aqua. (laughs) (laughs) Again, good answer. So thank you so much for joining me, Cherry. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you so much, Joanna. So happy to be here. I loved Joanna's chat with Cherry. She is so sweet, and you'll be able to tell that from her adorable designs and fabric. We'll link to her social media sites and website in our show notes so that you can connect with her more. Before we leave today, I need your help. We want to share your quarantined quilting stories on an upcoming podcast. If you'd like to share how sewing or quilting is helping you through this time, please call and leave us a voicemail at 515-257-6870. You can also email us your story or a voice memo at apqpodcast at meredith.com.